Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud to get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My public email is Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Today's guest is Sam Stralak, who's currently a member of the Edmonton, Alberta, Canada-based Marvin Barry. We recorded this episode a few months ago before Philly Sketchfest, but since Sam didn't come to Philadelphia with the rest of Marvin Barry, I decided to hold on to this episode for another time that Marvin Barry was doing something major. And since they're premiering a new show at the Edmonton Fringe Festival, now seems as good a time as any. Sam's first sketch is called Al Does an Audition. Sam reads the character of Al. Chris Borger reads the role of Chris. And I read Nikki's lines and the casting agent while providing whatever action details you may need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Chris is sitting in a, one of the row of chairs against a wall. It's the hallway outside an audition room. He's holding a small script and quietly going over some lines. Nikki enters, also holding a small skip script. Nikki! Oh my god, it's so good to see you auditioning for stuff and back in LA. They hug. Yeah, it's nice to see you too. And it's good to, it's good to be back. How was New York? You were gone for a while. She takes a seat beside him. Oh, it was all right. I managed to get a part on Law & Order SVU as Crack Whore 2. Oh, sweet deal. What was your line? Oh, no, no, no. Crack Whore 1 had the line. I just stood there. Al enters, sits uncomfortably close to Nikki and Chris, and just begins to stare at them intensely without reason or examination. Um, hi there. You all right? Oh, come on, man. Don't you know not to interrupt an actor when he's in the zone? Learn to recognize the signs of a thespian's process, man. Oh, sorry. Frickin' amateurs. Sabotaging my chances, I... Listen, we're sorry about that. I'm Nikki. And I'm Chris. You know, we should all probably just be friends. It would make this a lot easier. Yeah, it's already a cutthroat business. Name's Al. Sorry. You're right, goddammit. Uh, geez, I'm just a little rusty. It's been a while. Been living on pretty much exclusively beefaroni. It's been making me cranky, not to mention all the night terrors. Chef Boyardee looks weird naked. Oh, yeah, well, I guess we've all been there. When money gets tight, you, you do what you gotta do. Oh, no, 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 no. This was a choice. New Year's resolution was to do a cleanse. It feels good. Um, how did you hear about the audition, Al? I mean, I'm pretty happy my agent got me this chance. Oh yeah, me too. Ah, uh, my agent called me up last night while I was sitting on the couch watching two mice in my apartment fight for a chance to sleep near the radiator. They had some good-looking swings too, but of course, the one with the tribal face tattoo arose victorious. Mice were fighting over an, a radiator? Well, yeah. The only reason they stopped fighting me for the warm spot is because I started taping mouse traps to the outside of my sleeping blankie. You 
sleep next to a radiator? Well, just for the past little while. I lost a bet to my snakes. Well, if you got pet snakes, you should use them to get rid of your mouse problem. (laughs) Oh, I tried, but they're vegetarians. So your agent called you while this was all going on? Yep. Well, he called Mrs. Cornejo, my neighbor. We share a Vonage family package plan and a wireless phone. She just bangs real hard on the wall whenever the phone is for me. So I climbed over the fire escape to her balcony and picked up. It was my agent. So he told you about this last night? Oh, lucky. Yep. I said hello. He said that he was no longer willing to represent me, so I went to his office just across the street to pick up the last free smart water I'd get from his secretary. Asked a gentleman on the street for the time, and he told me it was 11-11. I saw two buses go by. They were both the number 11. I looked up and I noticed this building's number is 11 Chestnut Ave. So I decided to follow the obvious signs and went up to the 11th floor. But wait, this is room number 15. Oh, don't I know it. Learned the hard way that room 11 down the hall is the clinic offering free colonoscopies. Well, still pretty blocky if you think about it. Have you always believed in that superstitious kind of stuff? Oh, certainly not. With my upbringing, the only thing we believed in back on the farm was the clairvoyance of the wrestling pit. That seems exactly as superstitious as... It was used only twice a year. When we needed some divine intervention to help with the turnip harvest, Ma would grease us up with the bacon grease saved from a year's worth of breakfasts and toss me and my three brothers in the pit to brawl until it rained. When it did, we would stop when the grease had completely washed off our bodies. Chris glances wordly at Nikki. What? Yep. Some of that luck even carried over to my acting career. Did it? (laughs) Oh, heck. Did you ever see that Old Spice ad? Nikki and Chris nod, both sort of impressed. Well, I was in an ad just like it. Only instead of backgrounds cleverly changing, there were just people yanking my clothes off to reveal an adult diaper. It ended up not airing, though, because, you know, apparently focus groups didn't like the slogan. I don't even want to know. If you are what you eat, you should spend more time with it. Carry it around for a little while. Okay, that's probably enough. See, they didn't like it. I also got a part in a movie once. Hey, that's pretty cool. It was called Bros. It was set to star Stephen Baldwin and Donnie Wahlberg as brothers and buddy cops. I almost had to back out, though. See, I was someone to serve jury duty, but... They pardoned me due to my previous infractions of the law. Oh, really? Yep. I know it doesn't look like it, but I've spent a night in the slammer. Oh, I don't think you really have to share this stuff with us. Honestly, at this point, I'd kind of like to know. When I went to my local Olive Garden to take advantage of the Holy Trinity, unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks, I fell asleep after hour four, and when a timid waitress woke me, I jumped up believing I was in my home and that the patrons of that establishment were invaders. So I, with nothing more than a fork and my battle cry, I chased them out like a bear defending his territory. I managed to hold off the SWAT team for a healthy chunk of that Tuesday. Al, we're ready for you to audition. Al enters, nicking Chris riff a bit about the weird guy they just met. Thanks, Al. Great work in there. Just want to let you know, you got the part.
Thanks! I gotta go home and tell my snakes! What? How could you give it to him? What about us? When you've been in the industry as long as I have, you know to cast the new Jar Jar Binks the second you see it. Blackout. Hey, Sam. Hello. Uh, so tell me about the sketch. Where did this idea come from? Um, it was a uh, yes, a very early one that we wrote where we hadn't done a lot of shows yet, and we kind of all sat down and we're like, "Well, let's all like write a couple more sketches so we have some new stuff for our new show." And we were sort of talking about like what we needed more of, and we were like, "Like character sketches." I think we all need just some sketches with like weird wacky characters and I was like okay I can do that I can think of a weird weird guy and kind of just ended up writing what is basically like a monologue that this weird guy just goes on about just a bunch of weird stuff and a a weird life that he has yeah and it's easier because you do have the other characters like instead of it being a monologue and it might be overwhelming by itself as a monologue like adding the extra characters to bounce off of like yeah oh exactly and i learned that the hard way another early sketch that i wrote um was was sort of the same idea of like just a weird character but it's it was just like the first two characters talk for a bit and then like five minutes of just solid weird (laughs) shit from like just a weird character and we're like no one wants to sit down and memorize that for a show (laughs) yeah uh that yeah uh memorizing is always like it sounds stupid to say, but like making someone memorize a long chunk of dialogue is always a reason for me to cut something. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm just like, oh, that's I, they don't need a paragraph. Let's just figure out two sentences instead. Like, oh yeah, yeah. There's always a shorter version of whatever you're doing, and so I just write these weird monologues and go. What? We don't ever have to do this now. <laughs> this is too much. Um. So, all right. Uh, before we get to Marvin Barry and everything, let's go back to the beginning. What were you? What were you into growing up? What What made you laugh? What were you watching on TV? What were, What was your comedy fandom growing up? Yeah, um, I was like definitely Monty Python. I think was like the earliest comedy I can really remember watching. Was, my dad was super into it and had okay. the entire Flying Circus on DVD. Okay. And so, oh, hold on, hold on, like. We're already at the point, like, are you young enough that, like, your dad already had it, like, on DVD, and that's when, like... Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just a wee baby. <laughs> like, I'm only 32, but that's still just, I'm like... Oh, yeah. That seems oh, so... Yeah, I had, like, I had VHS tapes. Sure. When I was, like, really young, I had VHS tape. But, like, there's, like, my parents were not going to let me watch Monty Python until I was, like, maybe... Sure. Maybe, like, 12 or 13. Yeah. So, I didn't really... Yeah, so, like, my first, con- like, sketch comedy exposure was kind of, like, when I was in, like, grade 6, grade 7, kind of junior high. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, this is Monty Python. This is, like, this is what made us laugh in the 70s. And I was like, oh, okay. I can get behind John Cleese talking in a French accent, so... Were, like, were you aware of the cast members of Monty Python from other things beforehand? I, yeah, I had like seen them in stuff. And so mm-hmm. then, yes, yeah, seeing them in like, this is the show where they came from was like, oh, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, because like I mean, at least for me, before I really knew about Monty Python movies or the TV show, like my knowledge of John Cleese was uh, he played one of the cameos in The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, <laughs> which was like my first Muppet movie, right? Uh, for the yeah, most yeah, part, yeah. and like so, whenever he showed up later on, and I think like I might he might have guest starred on some sitcom or something before I really got into Monty Python, but like it was still you know cool to go back and see you know, younger Cleese. Yeah. So like, uh, I always ask Canadians, uh-huh. um, you know, either about like Canadian comedy, like, is there anything from Canadian comedy that you grew up with that you would really like point to you recommend or even anything now? Um, geez. Yeah. I don't like now, now there's definitely a lot more than there used to be growing up. I don't really remember ever. Like there was was a couple shows that we had on CBC, which is like our public broadcasting Mm -hmm. station. And we had like a couple, couple like Jon Stewart-esque like shows that were very um, like Rick Mercer. Yeah. Like Rick Mercer. He's our, yeah, he's our Jon Stewart. And then we had a few other like politically inclined. There's a, um, a show called this hour has 22 minutes and the Royal Canadian air farce. Or like a couple ones that I had like heard about and but never really like got into. But now there's there's so much more. There's even stuff on Netflix that I don't know, maybe you can even get in, in the States now. There's a a female sketch group on Netflix right now called the Baroness Von Sketch Show and mm-hmm. they're great. They've got some really funny stuff and so like lately I've been been watching that. There's way more Canadian comics now that are way way more accessible that you can find easier, but yeah, long time ago. Yeah, it, it felt for a while that like uh, there was no such thing as like big in Canada or like any sense. And this is just like growing up as a comedy nerd, like that if you wanted, if you were com- Canadian comic, you had to move to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there wasn't anything like Toronto wasn't the the end point anymore. Like you had yeah. to go to L.A. You had to go to New York. Oh yeah. And it's still, I would say it's still kind of like that. There's still mm-hmm. definitely a sense of that. Um, but yeah, it is definitely more now like, well, you can move to Toronto and like be a comic in Toronto and like start stuff there. And there's way more support and even like government grants and stuff are becoming easier to get for comedy things. And Marvin Barry, like we've even applied for for government funding and stuff for yeah i, I noticed that because i think i applied for toronto a couple years ago and like in all their stuff there's like stuff about the ontario council for the arts and i was like oh that's that's fancy to me like yeah yeah totally i don't it, even know where to start here in like philadelphia or america to try to get those kind of grants yeah that's that's the big bonus of in canada is there's definitely like a push in the past few years of like sort of honing local arts and local comedy and sort of using that as a brand of Canada of like, we can be funny and we can do it all over the place. And it's nice to feel like, Oh, there's resources there to help us like get out there and do our thing as much as we can. But like at the same time, you have to think that like Canada has contributed to comedy worldwide, like in big ways, like, you know, countless people from Canada have been. Oh yeah. Kids in the hall is like, Second City TV, SCTV, like, yeah, Mike yeah, Myers coming down, Jim Carrey. Um, I ask, and I generally ask all the Canadians 
too about this because this is one of the big Canadian shows I I know because uh, it it showed down here on our public for a while. It, like my dad and I stumbled upon it, and it's just so it was so like weird to me. Uh, the Red Green Show. Oh yeah. Like, like, are you familiar with? I am. This is one of my little. This is one of my minor obsessions. Right. It's when the- I talk to Canadians, it's like. <laughs> what is your understanding of red green that like because i know it's a character like and most like i've recognized a bunch of the actors from other things they've done whether it's uh peter collegan or graham green i think did it for seasons. yeah um <laughs> yeah it's definitely yeah i guess that that's i'll also very like early in my life associate that with uh, like, oh sure, because I, I think he's been off the air for about like five years now. Oh yeah, it's been a while now. Um, but I like whenever I think about it, I I can't really remember specific things about the show, but I just I remember like my grandpa's basement because it just okay. like he like they filmed that show in my grandpa's basement. Like it was such a this <laughs> is a yeah, red green like is is my grandpa, and so just like a weird like Canadian like tinkering guy that like loves duct tape and like fixes all his own stuff kind of thing is like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what like validated, validated my weird Canadian identity for a while. And was, and so like, (laughs) it's just weird to hear people talk about it. Like coming from the States where they watch that and be like, are Canadians really like that? And then for me to think, no, we're not. But when I was younger, I also believed we were. (laughs) I also thought we were just like red green. Yeah, because I think in the last 10 years, like the biggest Canadian imports, at least like comedy wise, were red green, uh, the trailer park boys. Yeah. And now we have Schitt's Creek coming. Like, right, right. And I don't know how big Schitt's Creek is like, you know, holding on or like what how big the audience is. It definitely has a cult following here, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's got, like, a cult following here, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing I ask everybody, uh, SNL is the, the juggernaut of sketch comedy in, in America. Right. Do you have a favorite SNL cast member? Ooh. I think it's a close one between... Gilda Radner and Tina Fey. I just, I I love like original, like Gilda Radner. She just like her characters and stuff were so funny. And, but then also like Tina Fey is like the new modern, like my modern hero of like, she's like her writing is just amazing. And she's so funny. And she like, to me, like defined that era of SNL of like early two thousands was like, that's Tina Fey just rocking it. I haven't, like, I haven't really dug too deep into like the first five seasons with Gilda Radner. Like, like I know mm-hmm. like, her big stuff. I know like some of the, like the things that would have like been on her best of. Um, yeah, I need to go through the, those seasons and see what's going on. Like, and it's a joke. I don't think I've ever really said it out loud, but whenever people ask about like, you know, if you had a time machine, what would you go back to? <laughs> right. Uh, my time machine right now moment is the original cast of Godspell in Toronto. Like I want to see one of their shows. Cause it was like, uh, Gilda Radner, uh, Martin short, uh, Dave Thomas, Eugene Levy. Like it was like a, this like monster cast before any of them got yeah. famous. 
<laughs> I wish that there was like film of it or like recordings of it. Cause I, yeah, it's just somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. That's, it's funny to like go back and look at that stuff and be like, Oh my God, they, all those people, all those people are like doing the thing that, that I'm doing right now. And I have like no, <laughs> no plan of like being where they are <laughs> one day. And so it's like weird to see that if like everyone sort of starts in the same yeah. place and it's, it's very cool. Yeah, especially when you read people's books, like Martin Schwartz, Martin Schwartz autobiographies is wonderful. Just don't read it on a plane because you'll start crying yeah. <laughs> like I did. Right. Um, but like just knowing like how, and I don't know if he was ever on the, like, because I know SCTV did a season recording in Edmonton. I, I don't know if he yeah. ever was if he was on that season or if he was only in the Toronto, New York versions. But like, just how that crew all got together and like have been together and interweaving in each other's products for the last forty years is just crazy to me. Yeah, it's a weird like little community. It's like a, like a weird like Stranger Things group of kids that just like stayed together for a while. Like, oh, we're all doing this weird thing, and then we'll we'll help each other out. Oh, can you imagine in forty years if they're all like intersected in different projects as like little cameos and winks to yeah. us when we're old? Oh boy! <laughs> all right, so that's uh, weird. So how do you get into what is what propels you to want to start doing comedy? Um, What's your first step? Yeah, it, it was definitely improv. Okay. I started, um, I started doing improv in high school. There was my high school had a high school team. And so like, okay. So you haven't heard my conversations with Nikki or Quinn. No. I am flabbergasted by this high school improv <laughs> thing. It's, both of them have said they've done it. Yeah. I don't understand. Maybe it's, it is a thing here in America. I, I've never heard of high school improv before and I'm fascinated and like half jealous. Yeah. It is a crazy thing when like thinking about it now at the time it, it seemed very normal because I went to this school where uh, like for pretty much as long as I had been there, there was an improv team and they do like shows once in a while. And there's, I'm sure Nikki told you about the, there's a tournament that happens. The tournament, there's a, like a, a nationwide tournament. And yeah, just, yeah. it was so bonkers to me. Yeah. And so that's, that's sort of how I started. I didn't want to do it at first, but then the drama teacher at the school sort of told me like, okay, no, you have to, I went to a very small school. And if you were, like even remotely funny then they were like you got to be on the team so i was like so, okay <laughs> like were you like class clown funny where they were just like all right they had to round up all the class clowns and like do know. it or yeah i don't know if i was class clown funny. i was like very shy and timid but okay. i was like i guess I, I could be funny with my friends and funny enough there and then did like one of the one of this like high school plays and after that the drama teacher was like okay got to put you, I, I see something in you. got to put you on this improv team and see how you do. And then I started and just like fell in love with it. Uh, after high school improv, what's the next step? Um, I, yeah, for me it was, I got into rapid fire, which is the company that Marvin Berry's from, so like from you there went straight, like from so, high school to rapid fire. 
Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I auditioned. Uh, I was still in high school. I auditioned and then got in. And then the next summer after I graduated, I started performing with them. And then I've been performing with Rapid Fire ever since. As, so I'm in my sixth year now with them. Wow. Um, all right. So uh, I've heard a bit about Rapid Fire. And I'm curious about like the scene elsewhere in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Like is rapid fire like the main attraction or is there other things going on in Edmonton? Uh, yeah. Probably as far wise. as improv goes. Yeah. W- uh, rapid fire is definitely the, the juggernaut. Like we're, we've got the big theater, we've got big audiences. We've been doing it for almost 40 years. So we've got like the, we're the establishment. We've got everything sort of figured out and uh, all the like technicians and musicians and, the artistic direction is is amazing and we've got uh, like a board of directors that like works tirelessly to just keep rapid fire like growing and becoming bigger and better and stuff and so we're like the we offer public workshops and stuff too so mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of edmonton comedy sort of like either comes tangentially from rapid fire or is related to it somehow sure. uh, but there's definitely there's other smaller improv companies uh, especially over the past like say five years have sort of like popped up around in edmonton and they're doing shows of their own there's a couple university groups too mm-hmm. so it's definitely it's definitely grown as of late but i'd say for sure because of rapid fire and its reach and stuff like that has definitely helped it grow in the area. Uh, so you audition for rapid fire, you get in, how does Marvin Berry coalesce into the five slim that you guys are today? We do a festival for rapid fire called the bonfire festival. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's made for like experimental formats. And so all the improvisers, we all like sit down and we're like, okay, what are the craziest ideas that we can think of that we've never done before? And then we do them specifically for this festival. And then most of them, we just kind of like never do again because maybe they work really well or maybe they crash and burn because they're crazy ideas. But I guess for a bunch of improvisers that have been doing improv for many years, we sit down and for us, the craziest thing to do is like, (laughs) what if we write our jokes down? And so we thought, okay, let's do, what if we do a sketch show instead of improv for this experimental festival? And we're like, great. And we were five of the, I think there was maybe seven or eight Mm -hmm. people that signed up for this show to do this one. And so we did it and we had, maybe like two weeks to like write some stuff, rehearse it and then do a show. And so we did. And then we kind of were like, we did it and it went well and we had fun and then nobody really expected anything to come of it. But it was like a few months later that another local comedy group asked us if we would like open for them at this bar like we're doing a show at this bar and would you would you consider opening for us cuz we just need someone to open and we we're like oh i mean like we're not really a, a sketch group we kind of just made it for this show and so sort of the five of us that were like i guess we'll do it again <laughs> we kind of just did it again and then we kept kind of doing it again and again and again until we were like i think now now i think we need a name cuz we've been doing this for a year <laughs> and 
need to figure out how we're going to keep doing it now because it's turned into a thing. Um, I mean, you mentioned pitching the show as a sketch show for this improv festival at this improv theater. Yeah. Was there any like blowback to to sketch or was it just like, oh, yeah, let's see what you guys can do. Like, let's let's do this as a lark now. Um, yeah, there was no no blowback at all. And the, the artistic director of the company, uh, he's definitely he's got a soft spot for sketch okay. and he really, he really loves to see really loves to see us, uh, sort of like promoting ourselves and just doing shows around and just, you know, having, having a sketch troupe is like, just good to have for a comedy scene. And it's just good to like, like nothing bad could come of it. It's just like a great thing to have great for like fringe shows and for traveling around and stuff. So they've never been like, Oh, if you're not making it up, we can't support you. So, so it's not necessarily like improv snobbery. Cause like, no, no, I do get that sense from certain improvisers that there is like a, like I've met a few improvisers that are very much like improv or nothing. Like improv's the realist. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I've, well, we, we all know those improvisers, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's super nice to be able to, uh, yeah, do shows and we've done shows at rapid fire since we've done many shows at, mm-hmm. there. And so to feel like, Oh, you know what? They, they're still, they're still like backing us. They're still behind us. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that we're writing our jokes down anymore. We're still like part of the family. Kind of thing. It's <laughs> really nice. Really nice to feel. Uh, do you guys ever like improv to sketch? Like, do you ever like, as you guys are playing together in an improv scene, do you, ever get that idea like oh we got to remember that to write like oh yeah oh yeah all the time (laughs) good yeah it happens happens all the time we also like we love writing sketches and then leaving certain parts blank to be like okay and then this is the part that we'll just riff out and it'll be different every time we do it you even did it in in this sketch where just uh chris and nikki just riff for a little bit yeah yeah it's like okay just think of some fun things to say we've got another another one that uh another one of my early ones that i wrote one of the first ones i wrote and uh, i didn't pick it just because it's been like redone so many times now that it's like a very polished and i was like oh, it's too sure. good to be like my first one now <laughs> um but that one specifically we all are like sitting around a poker table and we're all just like a bunch of dudes that are pregnant and it's like oh an alternate universe where the men get pregnant and we just- uh i think nikki thought you were gonna do that one she yeah she probably did because it was like technically the first one I wrote but I felt like that's eh, too that sounds familiar yeah it's like you know what? that's too it's too many people in it and uh, we're, <laughs> it's it's polished now I don't want to come across as like this is the first <laughs> one we've all reviewed it and it, it's had too many rewrites <laughs> yeah yeah but it's at the, it's at a point now where there's there's like three distinct parts where it's like okay I say. I do a riff and then Chris will do a riff and then Quinn does a riff. And then we say, the <laughs> and then I do the riff and then we just like go down the line. And we all just have like a weird made up joke that we just make everywhere we go. And it's like, it's so fun. And it's a great way to keep it like fun for the specific audience that we're at. And we did it the last time we did it was we did a festival in new Orleans and we were like, okay, let's, let's do it in new Orleans and just like riff about like, look up some things about new Orleans and then make up some, jokes for an audience there that like we've never been here but we can still appeal to this audience and we can still use Put in some local color yeah yeah we can use our skills as improvisers to 
sort of blend in wherever we go. Uh, now, and my impression of of Marvin Berry is you, you guys have traveled quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what was it? Like you mentioned New Orleans. Uh-huh. I know Phoenix and Dallas just happened. Yeah. Um, Montreal. We're going, we're going to Montreal, Montreal a couple weeks. Yeah. Doing that Next week. Uh, yeah. Very soon. Um, and uh, Baltimore. We've gone to Baltimore and Sacramento. And wow. That's. Yeah. Also, like we've we've also stayed in Canada too. We've done <laughs> we've gone to a couple other Canadian places. Uh, we've done like sure. Calgary and a few uh, cities closer to Edmonton and stuff too. So it's definitely like uh, as of lately, it's been it's been crazy to be like, oh my god, we are spending half of our month just elsewhere <laughs> for the past wow. two months. But yeah. Um. All right. So I know very little about Edmonton. Um. And I don't know if you're born and bred in Edmonton or you. Sure am. You, okay. Um, I know that it's like really high up to me. Like it feels super north. Oh yeah. It's Is, it's the most northern capital city in any Canadian province. There are Canadian territories with capital cities, but the, sure. the province. Because you have those two. What like was it none of it in the Northwest Territories that are higher? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah, Yukon, Northwest Territories, and none of it. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Like, uh, there's none of it, which I think is a relatively newer territory. Yes, pretty fresh. And I always uh, confuse it with like a Pacific Island. Yeah, it it seems like that. (laughs) There's there's I think it's like Tuvalu or something. I can't remember which one is which half the time of Pacific or Canadian, which is a massive difference for sure oh yeah about being that high up and i'm assuming you know winters are awful your summers probably aren't very summery, or at least summery for very long Uh, yeah like we have we have short summers maybe like three three months maybe of just like super hot weather but when it's summer here it's it's summer like it gets it's like 20 oh i don't know what the fahrenheit is but it's like it's freaking hot. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking hot like every day and like dry, like hot and dry and just sun beating down everywhere on like flat mm. plain lands. So it's just, it gets real hot. But then, yeah, the summer or the winter is like, is just uh, brutal. Is there some, do you think there's something about like those longer winters that might help the a comedy scene or? An- oh, for sure. Yeah. You can tell like even rapid fire, which is established and has an audience and does like shows, does like four or five shows every single week. Um, we take a break in the summer. So for like July and August, we, even most of June, we don't have regular programming. Uh, it's just Mm -hmm. like hard, hard to get Edmontonians in a dark room when the weather's nice. Cause it's like, nice for two months we're gonna go outside and we're gonna drink our beer there instead of in a dark room <laughs> sure so. I, I totally can understand that yeah um it, so is rapid fire and uh marvin berry your only real artistic endeavors right now uh there's two big ones i'm also an actor uh, that i i do other you know, plays and projects and stuff uh, too, just mm. around when I can. So I do that too, but for sure, rapid fire, Marvin Barry, like the two, the two main ones. 
I mean, you mentioned acting and doing stuff in theater. Like what's like, I, and I don't want to say legitimate theater versus improv or whatever, but like, how's the scene there for that? Right. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's really good. The, the theater here is like everywhere. There's always theater happening. It's a super supportive community that Edmonton has for theater, which I, I really, I don't know like how, how it really started, but it's definitely been like maintained over the years from oil money, just lots of oil companies, um, like supporting theaters and stuff. And, uh, giving giving money for for the arts and stuff is just like a good way for oil companies to be like, hey, we ain't so bad, huh? <laughs> so they've been like, there's lots of that here. So there's tons of opportunity, tons of shows going on all the time, tons of local companies that are always producing stuff. And we also have the like second or third largest fringe festival in the world. Wow. Which is a big, in the summer, that's like the one time in the summer that, people will like go to a theater when the sun is up. <laughs> hmm. Cause the only other Edmonton act that I really know of at the moment is um, there's a, a, a duo, a musical duo that came to Philadelphia a couple years ago. Uh, right. Success, Success 5,000. Yeah. yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know too much about Edmonton outside of, you know, Marvin Barry at this point. Uh, so the fringe, like, I'm just like fascinated because like you never think of or I I would have never thought of Edmonton, Alberta. Like the stereotypes that like I would have about Edmonton would be just hockey because Yeah. I think most Americans would know Edmonton only because well, not even most that like would know. But like people that are familiar with Edmonton as a city would just know because of the hockey team. Oh yeah. The Oilers and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. And then the list is over. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, that's it. Like um that's crazy that there's just a, a large fringe festival and a good theater scene yeah it's um yeah it is it's pretty crazy but yeah it's uh it's it's definitely there and it's yeah like i said super supportive and great uh it's a great place to start comedy like there's so many opportunities for people with like no or very little experience if they want to like try it there's lots of little shows run by people even um there's a show that we that we have here called Odd Wednesday that's like super underground. It's done in like the basement of this cafe and it's run okay. by one of the guys from Success 5000 and he, and he's uh, like super gracious with the show and is always inviting new people to like this is your chance to like come and try something new and if you've always wanted to try a weird stand-up thing or try sketch comedy or try even just like a weird physical clown bit. We don't care. This is for you to come and try it out. And the audience there is like super nice and always so supportive. And it's turned into this like incubator of local comedy that probably we just wouldn't have been there without this like super nice, super supportive show. And now, whenever Marvin Berry does it, we always like, okay, this is a chance to like try a new thing and see how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, but, sure. Yeah. So there's lots of lots of little things all all over the place. That's like really really cool, really fun, really cheap. It's accessible, and so yeah, just like so great. It seems like cool. It's very like underground and like oh, it's starting up and anyone can do it, and it's very fun. 
Yeah, it's always it's always cool to hear when a city you don't expect to have a scene actually does have a scene and there's cool things happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, at least, you know, from my side of Philadelphia, because even people w- wouldn't think that Philadelphia really has a scene going on because most people would know us about our, you know, sports fans or Liberty yeah. Bell or, you know, that dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah, like history and old buildings and shit. Yeah. Like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You've been doing improv for, you know, since high school and for a while at Rabbit Fire. Do you have like a preference of an improv form? Like, is there a specific one that you like to do best? Um, I'm definitely more on the side of short form kind of stuff mm-hmm. instead of like, let's tell one story for an hour. It's like, nah, I'd rather just do a bunch of short scenes for an hour and just like short little games and be like really quippy and witty jokey kind of sure. stuff is definitely my my forte like the theater sports kind of yeah. things and yeah yeah definitely theater sports that's like mostly what rapid fire does we've done we've been doing that for you know 38 years and so mm-hmm. we've our audience is also accustomed to that and everyone is everyone around town is like yep theater sports is what rapid fire does with, that's the thing that we name like rapid that fire, we nail you really of. can't do those hour long like full long form improv scenes. Yeah. Like we, it seems off brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've definitely got, yeah, we've got some troops and stuff that do, uh, just like long, long for me, like one sustained story. Um, but not a whole lot of them. And it's not like, it's mm-hmm. not as regular as theater sports. It's kind of just like when we have time and when it's in the schedule. And so you've been doing improv since high school, uh, been with rapid fire about six years now i think you said um and you've been with marvin berry for at least a few years uh so you have some experience you have some um knowledge i always ask uh and this could be something practical something about the craft of sketch writing or even if you want to get deep and philosophical what's something that you've learned from comedy that you'd pass on to someone that's just doing it for the first time oh hmm Something I've learned. Something I've learned that's is that I would say it's it's easier than you think it is. And like so many things in life, if you if you just like get up and you try something that scares you and just have fun doing it, chances are mm-hmm. it's it's gonna work out. <laughs> chances okay. are that like it's somewhere out there there's gonna be someone that appreciates it and enjoys it and somehow you just like doing your thing with passion and with commitment is like could make someone's day and i think that's like the biggest biggest takeaway from from doing comedy hmm okay i don't know if i'd still say easier like (laughs) maybe i'm coming from a a place of privilege of like i've had high school training and i've got (laughs) so many opportunities here to try it out but like so many people are afraid to not do it because they think that they're like, they're not funny or they won't be good at it. But I say, I say that that's no reason to not try. Yeah, it's, it's easy enough to try. Yeah. Well, maybe I can like preface it that way. Cause like, you know, yeah, yeah. it's easy enough. Like, to try. <laughs> Cause being funny can be hard. <laughs> like, yeah. And I guess the, one of the big differences between sketch and improv is like, if you get up on stage and do improv and spend your whole time trying really hard to be funny, it's never going to work. Right. For sure. 
He's like, you, know, you just got to get up there. That. Yeah. <laughs> you can't treat improv like a, like your hot 10 of stand up. It's got to be, like, it doesn't just, I've seen that too many times. So much high school improv, of like these young kids that are like, I've seen it. I know what it looks like. It's funny. I go up there and say jokes and like, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Just like trust yourself. Just do the scene, play the, play the game. And then the, the humor will just come out of it naturally. Uh, so, and then finally, I always, I finally, uh, why comedy? Like you, you, you spend your time doing this, like rapid fire is a big part of your life. I think Marvin Berry sounds like a big part of your life, especially from, from talking to the others as much as I, I oh as, yeah as much as I have in the last couple of days as I, and I say that as a, like I'm recording this and I'm going to like spread out the recording. So that's just dumb. But like, <laughs> it, it seems that like uh, Marvin Berry is pretty close and have a good re- with rapport with each other. So why is comedy the way you spend your time? Um, like I, just cause I like it. It's just so, it's just so fun. And there's something to me, that's more rewarding about going in front of an audience and making them all like laugh and see them all like smile and have a good time and just forget about everything else for half an hour and just be looking at the, just the dumb shit that we're doing to just make them happy for a minute is like so rewarding and fulfilling to me that I've never found anything that gives me that same kind of that same kind of satisfaction of like, I'm doing something worthwhile by like, I can just see this, this audience enjoying it. And like, that's, it's so worthwhile to me. I've never found anything that has given me that same kind of reward and that same kind of fulfillment. So. Yeah. Nice instant gratification with comedy, especially live comedy for sure. Yeah. People need it. People need to laugh these days. Oh, especially here. Like, I mean, your political situation sounds a little bit better than than ours does, but yeah, yeah, I would venture to say so. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so thanks, Sam. Yeah, thank you. This was very fun. Sam and the rest of the wonderful people of Marvin Berry just started a run in the Edmonton Fringe Festival with a show called Everyone Panic Pleads at the Grindstone Theater through August 26th. You can find out more details and ticket information at marvinberry.com. If you're here in Philly, though, a new sketch team is debuting at the Philly Improv Theater. All Night Deli presents Super Mature on August 17th, 18th, 24th, and 25th, Fridays and Saturdays, at FIT at 9 p.m. Tickets are available at fitcomedy.com. And if you want, you can take a deep dive and listen to my chats with members of All Knife Deli, like Bill Rick, Julia Hudson, Marissa Edelman, and Christine Honey, and see if I've gotten any better at this over time. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com and like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Iam. Thanks for listening. And go see some comedy.